I decided during this weekend that I'd be using the Father Waldron chalice at all the masses. It was on this day, July 9th of 1982, that he was appointed pastor of this parish. So 40 years ago today, uh, he became our pastor. And so uh, in honor of his, his leadership, his uh, humor, uh, his, uh, except, um, his fussiness, um, <laughs> I'm going to leave fingerprints on the chalice. I remember as a young priest, he told me, you'll never use it. Don't touch it. <laughs> I've had it about six times since I've been here. So, The psalmist sort of sums up the uh, question of that young man, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The psalmist says, turn to the Lord and you'll be saved. You, know, you will live. And the psalmist goes on to say, um, look, at, look, all you lowly ones, look at the Lord and, and be glad because he's hearing your voice. He hears you cry out to him. He hears you in need. I read a story this week about uh, Catherine Booth. Catherine Booth is the wife of William Booth. William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. It started in England. And Catherine was a more electrifying preacher than her husband. He, she would stand on streets and preach to crowds, and she became quite famous. Large crowds would come, and there would be various people, princes and beggars and um, the nobles and the homeless. And one day, she was in a town preaching, and one of the... Uh, Societal women invited her to the, her home that evening for dinner. And when she arrived, the woman said, My dear Mrs. Booth, that meeting tonight was absolutely dreadful. And Catherine, thinking she meant she didn't like what she had to say, said, What do you mean? And she said, When you were speaking, I looked around that crowd and it was terrible. Those people, they were deplorable. I don't think I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> Catherine Booth looked at her and said, didn't you know them? And the woman said, well, certainly not. And she said, oh, that's interesting because I didn't bring them with me from London. They're your neighbors. It says a lot. It's the parable again, a parable that we know so well. It didn't take long after Deacon Alex read the first part of that parable that we knew how it was going to end. And we already saw God's finger wagging us to remind us what our duty is to our neighbor. But it's so familiar with us that we just gloss over it at times. Because it's a challenge it's a challenge to look beyond what we know and what makes us comfortable. It's a challenge on, on many levels. Not only does it involve the inclusiveness of everyone in our vicinity as our neighbor, but it takes us beyond parish boundaries and boroughs and townships. It takes us beyond states and country. It moves us into the whole world. Next week, we'll hear a little bit of that um, 
inclusivity of our neighbor. Next week, uh, our missionary priest will be here and will preach at all the masses and remind us of our call, our duty, to reach to those who are on the sides of the roads, who live in poverty, who have need. This parable reminds us that sometimes we just overlook those needs. It reminds us that even the rejected can have hope. It's a story about how many of us just miss the tragedy that's right under our noses and how many people suffer because of our cruelty to others. And it's told by Jesus. It's not something that Jesus says a certain person said or a certain person did. He tells it very directly. It's his story. We figure it out. He's the Samaritan. His heart went out to everyone and still goes out to all of us who suffer. Especially those who suffer at the attitude and the hand and the bigotry and the prejudice and the hatred of others. And he could tell the story because he knew what it was like to be an outcast, what it was like to be rejected by his own people, and even by us. Again, we'll go back to Matthew 25. He knew what it was like to be rejected. Lord, when did we see you hungry and not give you food and thirsty and not give you drink? When did we see you naked and not clothe you? When did we see you in prison and not come visit you or ill and come see you? And he says, when he didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. He knew that we would have selective assistance to people in need. All these things direct us to stop playing church and be church. To really reach out. We're so ingrained at times, our culture is so ingrained with this story that even people who, are, who are, reject Christianity often use it to remind their followers of their own duty to help others in need. We hear it as do not or do unto others as you would like to have them do unto you. In Judaism, they say what is hateful to you, do not let your fellow man or woman have. This is the law, the rest is commentary. In Islam, no one of you is a believer until he desires for his brother that which he desires for himself. Hinduism, this is the sum of our duty. Do nothing unto another which would cause you pain if it were done to you. Buddhism, hurt not another in a way that you yourself would, not, would find hurtful. Confucianism, do not unto others what you would not have them do to you. The call is for all of us in the parable or uh, in, the, in these Examples that we hear from Matthew 25, we see in the good works of people around us. The call is that we're all called to be decent people. We're all called to be people who turn to the Lord in their time of need, in their time of trouble, because we heard it in the psalm. He hears the cry of the poor. He knows our needs. The parable is meant 
to draw out the call for each one of us to find eternal life by reaching out to others, deliberately reaching out to others in need. Sometimes we say to ourselves, well, how do I do that? You know, how, how, do I, how, how can I help the entire world? I can't do everything. We have great little opportunities, you know, to find those people who have been thrown to the side of the road today. We reach out to them and we perceive uh, no one around us seems to, to n- notice. We might say to ourselves, well, I, there's nobody around me, I, not in my neighborhood, not in my community. But they're always there. Jesus said that you'll have the poor with you always. The poor, the suffering, the destitute, the lost, they're all around us. We have great opportunities to reach out. You know, again, go back to those Matthew 25 questions, feeding the hungry and thirsty. How can we do that? We had a great opportunity. We still have a great opportunity, by the way. Um, I was thinking just yesterday, the the diocesan campaign. It helps a lot of people that we don't even know. It helps a lot of people who are destitute and who are on the side of the road. A lot of people who who don't think that uh, we even recognize them. The poor, the hungry, the lost. By the way, just thank you for your kindness in that collection. We're still $64,000 short. We have six months more to go, so open your heart tonight and think about that. Think about those people who are on the side of our road that we don't even see, maybe because we cross the street like the priest in the parable. Maybe because we just don't want to take the time. Maybe because we just don't care. But they're there. They're there. And I didn't bring them with me. They are our neighbors.